everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior and IJ nephropathy warrior, and I'm dedicated to sharing the stories of those with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Well, hi, everyone. My guest today is Sarah Campbell. She's a Crohn's warrior, the founder of IBD Heroes on Instagram, a mother of two, and a former beauty queen. She's here today to share her IBD journey, advocacy, and how she balances it all. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. From beauty queen to advocacy, sometimes it's hard to know where to begin. (laughs) So let's start from the beginning of your story. And can you share what led up to your IBD diagnosis and when that happened? Yeah, absolutely. So it's been quite a journey these past five years in my life. Uh, Everything kind of started when I was living with my husband and my daughter at the time, and I had a very chaotic life. I am a full-time educator. Right now I am on maternity leave because we just had our newborn son, you know, about 10 weeks ago. But I was working full-time as an educator. I was a mom to a young toddler at the time, and I was also coaching... I was also coaching gymnastics. So my life was very hectic. And I did notice in about August of 2018, I started experiencing some really awful stomach pain. It was only occurring about once a month. So I didn't really think anything of it. And as time progressed, it started getting a lot worse. I noticed that we ended up moving and we bought a home. And around that time, things started getting a little bit worse because I was under a lot of stress. We all know if you've moved, how stressful moving can be. And it just kept continuing. So I ended up going to my primary, as most often we do when we have an issue. And I really just wanted answers. And I was explaining my symptoms to her. And it kind of just became a cat and mouse game. It was, you know, we'll try this medicine, try this medicine, and get this test. And I did have blood work come back that showed it could be possible Crohn's, but there was just inflammation going on in my body. And we didn't know where it was, you know, at the time, it could have been Crohn's, it could have been ulcerative colitis. And I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified because, you know, of course, we go to Google and we read some really scary things. And for me, it was just very alarming because it was like, well, you know, I'm in my 30s. So if I had something like this, why, you know, has it not been brought to my attention before? You know, so it was February of, I guess, 2019. I'm still having these really awful bouts of pain. And now I start vomiting with them. And they tell me that everything looks fine. I have an abdominal ultrasound. It looks fine. So the next step is to get a colonoscopy and endoscopy. I get that. They said there looks like there's some inflammation in your small intestine. But, you know, we don't know anything for sure. And the endoscopy came back okay. How much time had passed between your first going into the doctor to figure out what this is to having that endoscopy and colonoscopy? So that was October of 2018 or November, I guess, when I started reaching out to her. And then by February of 2019, that's when I had my first colonoscopy and endoscopy. Not getting much answers. I ended up going to a holistic doctor because nobody was helping me. Western medicine at that point was kind of failing me. You know, it was, well, it could possibly be this, but we're just going to keep putting you on medications. And then also we don't know, you know, we just don't know for sure. So they didn't confirm IBD at that point. They were just hesitant to do. Yes, nothing confirmed. That's so disheartening. I mean, I hear people talk about stories like that, but it's 10, 15, 20 years ago. This is fairly recent that Western medicine is is still failing the IBD community. Absolutely. And so, you know, I said to my husband, I need to figure this out because something's wrong and no one has helped me. And so when you're desperate, you will pay out of pocket for, you know, help because you want to know what's going on. And at the time, I I have always been an athletic person. I've always been someone who enjoyed working out, but I never understood what it meant to fuel my body with the right foods. And so I definitely started doing a lot of my own research at the time back in 2018 when all of this started. And I was kind of shocked to see all the things that can happen to our gut and how how 70% of our immune system is located in our gut. And I always used to get these 
awful sinus infections every year and I had really bad allergies. I struggled with acne my entire life. And it was just shocking to me that I started reading all about leaky gut and you know, how all these Western medicines can cause so many side effects and damage your gut antibiotics. And I'm just kind of sitting here baffled going in my head, why has no one ever spoken about this before? You know, how damaging these things can be. And yes, Western medicine will always have a time and place. But, you know, growing up, I feel like when I look back at my life and how I have been treated, it was always so quick to throw me on a medication. And so I really started learning how you do have to advocate for yourself, you know, whether you want to truly be on a medicine or not, and if you really do need that medication or not. And so I think I just started really opening up my eyes to our gut lining and how I most likely needed to heal my gut because that could be part of the problem. I think, unfortunately, the problem at that point was I was so far damaged that it wasn't going to really matter what route I took health-wise I was going to need help. And as I would unfortunately learn about, you know, two years later, I was going to need emergency surgery to help save my life. So take me through those two years up until that surgery. You're trying to, you're learning about the gut, learning about the microbiome, you're getting into different foods. Take me through kind of what that journey looked like, what your symptoms were doing at the time, and then take me to that life-saving surgery. Absolutely. So, By February of 2019, I was still experiencing all the issues even after the endoscopy colonoscopy. So now in May, I go to the holistic doctor and she says, you have a large gallstone and these have been gallbladder attacks that you've been experiencing. Now, most likely when you have gallbladder attacks or something is wrong with your gallbladder, there is an underlying issue, which could have been my Crohn's obviously at the time. But the reason I was frustrated is because the gallbladder attacks made sense. Every time we, I looked at anything about a Crohn's flare, those were none of the symptoms that I was experiencing at that time. So fast forward to July of 2019, I get another colonoscopy, endoscopy. Again, they're not sure if it's Crohn's or not, but they do see, okay, we missed your gallbladder, so you're going to need to have your gallbladder removed. By August of 2019, it became an emergency. It was at the point that even though I had given up gluten, I was juicing celery on an empty stomach in the morning. I was doing all the things that I was reading about online. I just think my gallbladder was so far diseased. There was just no saving it, unfortunately. And by August, I had it removed and I was in heaven for about a week. And I was like, wow, the pain is gone. I have an appetite again. And I spoke too soon because about a week later, almost immediately, what I didn't know would be a Crohn's flare started flaring. And I had a week of peace. And then it just went straight into a Crohn's flare. And I dealt with that severe Crohn's flare without knowing it was a Crohn's flare for over a year, which led me to September of 2020 when I was in the hospital. So what happened at that point? What finally put you in the hospital as you're dealing with a flare? You don't know it's a flare. What were kind of the signals that really made you go to the hospital? So when I first, a lot of the reason I didn't go to the hospital, because there's actually a few, was because I had started bloating really bad to the point where I looked pregnant. And I even had a couple comments from people say, oh my goodness, when are you due? And you know, I had to explain, well, I just had my gallbladder removed and I've been dealing with some really awful gut issues. And so it was interesting to me because I truly thought, and so did my doctor at the time, okay, this is a side effect of you getting your gallbladder removed. Your body is adjusting to no gallbladder. You know, and at this point I had changed my diet. I had given up gluten. I had given up dairy. I was doing strength training and working out in a different light. I was really trying to relieve stress for my body. But when you're so sick and can't get answers, we all know that can cause more stress. And so that year I worked on and off and I was, you know, really sick. And by February of 2020, it started getting pretty bad. That's when I started vomiting. And what I, it would probably be, I'd say like, weekly at that point, or maybe every two weeks. And then COVID happened and the entire world shut down and it was almost impossible to get a doctor's appointment. And now we're in May of 2020 and 
I start vomiting weekly and now every couple days. And through the summer, it's, it just gets worse to the point where I'm pretty much couch bound and bed bound the entire summer. I would start to feel really nauseous. My stomach would balloon up like I looked almost three to six months pregnant. I would not eat for two to three days. And then it would be followed by a whole day of me vomiting on and off. I would usually vomit anywhere from five to six times, and then my body would kind of stop. And at the time, that May of 2020, I finally said, okay, something else is obviously going on. Let me try to see if I can get another gastro. And I switched. She also did not think I had Crohn's at the time. She thought, you know, okay, uh, you're dealing with some gut issues, but, you know, here's some medicines. Some of the medicines helped mask it. But I actually, looking back, think that that's kind of what threw my body into just overdrive and was like, I can't do this anymore. So at the time, September 2020 rolls around, we were still virtually teaching because we weren't allowed to be back at our schools yet. And I remember it was September 14th. And I just remember getting ready to teach my first graders. And it started around 9am when that feeling started overcoming me, I started feeling nauseous, my stomach was so bloated, it just hurt to touch. And I had to grab a bucket. And I'll never forget it. My daughter was sitting behind me, she was virtually, um, you know, doing school in the same room as me. And I had to turn my camera and microphone off and I just threw up. And I kept teaching. And every hour that day, I was throwing up. So I would just, you know, go lay on the couch on my break. And then I'd get back up and go to my computer. I was hiding it like in the back from my daughter, because I didn't want her teacher in class to see me so sick. And it was just awful. And by I believe 5pm that day, I was still throwing up and I just had my head on the toilet. And I was just dehydrated, everything was spinning. And I just heard a voice in my head say, you need to go to the emergency room because I just couldn't, I couldn't live like that anymore. And that's what I did that night. My husband took me to the emergency room and they were rushing to put a nasogastric tube up my nose. They rushed me for a CAT scan and they said, we need to take her back for emergency right now. And what I later learned from my husband is the surgeon had pulled him aside and said, if she had waited 24 more hours, this would have killed her. Wow. Now, since it was happening 2020, was there at any point did you think maybe this is COVID or did the hospital think that or was it just straight you knew something else was going on because it had been happening for so long? No, absolutely. They they definitely knew like it was not COVID related. I mean, they definitely knew something else was going on. And and I think they knew. I think when I came in and I was just so sickly looking because I had obviously lost a significant amount of weight. I explained to them my symptoms. I explained to them, you know, kind of what had been going on. And they came, they said, she had you have a severe bowel obstruction and you need immediate surgery. So what was life like after that happened? You have the bowel resection and you wake up from surgery, what happens at that point? You know, for a while, I was in the hospital for about 13 days, and I ended up needing another surgery. I had a little bit of trouble recovering. Uh, my body was really struggling because it, they thought that there was a possible leak after my first emergency surgery. So what ended up happening was about a week after my first surgery, I was like really excited. I was allowed to start eating solids. They took the nasogastric tube out. I was like not hooked up to as many machines. And then they, I just remember one of my tests did not come back great. And I was struggling with a light fever. And I remember the doctor coming in and taking my food and the surgeon came back in who was amazing. My surgeon was absolutely amazing. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry, I have to take you back in because I have to make sure that there isn't a leak in your intestines. And so exactly a week later, I went back in for surgery. And then I woke up with an NG tube again the next day. And it was kind of like, you know, Groundhog's Day, it was just everything all over again. But it ended up because I was so malnutritioned, my body was just clinging on to anything it could. And so at that point, they chose to put me on a pick line with a TPN bag, which just gives you the nutrients without, you know, you having to actually physically eat. And so I was on that, finally was able to come home after 13 days in the hospital. And it was just a whirlwind for me. I came home and I couldn't stop crying. And I didn't know why, because I knew I should be happy that I was alive. 
but I was also struggling that I was going to have this lifelong illness that there's no cure for. And I was mixed with so many different emotions. I was angry because, you know, I, I thought I was a healthy eater and I thought I did do all the right things. You know, I wasn't a big drinker. I don't drink alcohol, you know, often. I had smoked cigarettes in my young 20s. I had quit that. I was working out. And so you do spend a lot of time questioning, well, like, why me? You know, like, why is this happening to me? What did I do? What, why do I deserve this? And I kind of had that victim mindset for a while. You know, I missed a lot of time with my daughter when I was sick. I was on the couch on and off for two years and could not play with her. And so many times had to tell her, I'm so sorry. You know, mommy's tummy isn't feeling well. And I just looked at a bunch of the people around me. You know, at the time I was only 34 years old and I was just so like, Watching people not eat great foods, smoking cigarettes, drinking sodas, doing all these things that, you know, they say can be really bad for your gut. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, you're just angry. It's just it's just like when, you know, you watch somebody going through something in life and you're a little jealous because you don't understand why, you know, these bad things are happening to you. And it's not that you wish them upon others, but you just kind of have to figure out why you're going through it specifically and why you were chosen for this journey. And so it was a mixture of so many emotions when I came home from that hospital. And it took me about four months to fully recover because mentally I just was a mess. And I never really knew what it meant to face mental health until I came home from that. And it was like, I didn't just have to heal myself physically, I had to heal mentally. And you know, I remember my doctor saying, Sarah, you've spent the two years fighting, she goes, and then you had not only had to fight to live for two years, she goes, but then you had a really traumatic hospital stay and you know, major surgeries, she goes, so you're now finally facing all of that. And so that kind of made sense to me. And I knew I had to I couldn't live my life anymore the way that the old Sarah used to. And so I kind of feel like it was when who I am now was born again. It was just like, okay, I need to make some major life changes because obviously the way I was living my life, look at where I ended up. And I just started really looking at habits that I wanted to implement that would be healthy for me and a workout routine that would be good for me and foods that would help fuel my body and be good for me. And so although it was such a scary time, those four months helped me recover and just kind of birth a new Sarah at that point. You know, it was a new version of me that was born that that time. And, you know, I'm thankful for it. Now, I read in one of your articles about you online that you really struggled with post-traumatic stress and severe food anxiety. And I'm guessing it that that is when all of this was coming about. Are those things that you just mentioned, are those the things that helped you get through that and kind of reframe that mental mindset and get back to eating different foods and overcome that anxiety? Absolutely. I mean, I, I still deal with food anxiety and I still have PTSD. You know, um, with my son just being born, I was a high-risk pregnancy And so that was terrifying in in, in itself because I had to go to multiple doctor's offices and I had to hear the beeping of machines. And it was just kind of my journey all over again. And it was a little traumatic when he was born because we were getting, you know, all different news. And so it's, it's traumatic when you hear just even the silliest thing. I had to go visit my mom in the hospital last year and I saw the nasogastric tube hook up and just hearing the beeping of machines. It's so funny how something so small can just kind of trigger you back to a moment. And, you know, same thing. I just told my husband the other day, I had a lavender candle lit when I was sick that day that I had to go to the hospital. And I must have bought the soap that smells exactly the same. And the first whiff of it just immense, it just immediately took me back to that moment. And so that was why I knew I had to do something to help heal because I was so traumatized for everything from everything I had just gone through, but I was also thankful to still be here. And I think that's where my mindset really changed. I did used to be someone who always had a victim mindset. Why is my life so hard? Why is this happening to me? And I realized that that mindset never got me anywhere. It never helped me achieve any of my dreams. It never helped me get anywhere. And so that's when I started saying, okay, well, I'm going to have to get outside my comfort zone and do things that maybe make me uncomfortable because I think I need to grow as an individual. I think that maybe, you know, 
this is a lesson to teach me that I have opportunities, but I need to learn how to change my mindset and take care of myself. Because when you're not taking care of yourself, you know that you won't be the best mom, you won't be the best wife, you won't be the best teacher, you won't be the best friend. And so I just really was like, I need to make sure my mental health is in check in all aspects. And I need, you know, it humbled me. That experience humbled me greatly. And when simple things are taken from you, like the sunshine, the smell of food, and, you know, just being able to eat a meal, you don't take those things for granted anymore when you come home from the hospital. And just like anything, time has helped. But I mean, to this day, I will still, I refuse. Like, you know, if we're out, and my husband will want to grab fast food. And I'm like, no, I'll just, you know, I mean, sometimes I, I don't eat and I won't eat for hours. Um, so meal planning and prepping is very important. And it's just really taught me that I have to really manage my time well if I want to take care of myself and my mental health, which can be a struggle at times. But you're putting in the work and it sounds like you've already made incredible improvements in those areas of just the shift in mindset and overcoming that food anxiety, just one step at a time. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I want to piggyback off that because I think that's so important that if you are anybody going through anything and you decide you want to make something a habit every week, I just said, OK, I'm going to start one thing this week. And I never overwhelmed myself. I think so often as humans, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be that Monday starter. Okay, on Monday, I'm going to go to the gym. On Monday, I'm going to start eating healthy. On Monday, on Monday, on Monday. Then Monday comes, your typical routine happens, and you try to make the smoothie, you try to go to the gym, and you overwhelm yourself. And then you end up not making those habits stick. And so for me, I, I was always that Monday starter. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing that this time. So it started with, I'm going to make a smoothie every day. And now the smoothie is such a part of my routine that I can't not make it because it's it's what I've been doing for years now. And then it became, okay, well, I'm going to start a gratitude journal next week. And every day I'm just going to wake up, I'm going to write three things that I'm thankful for. So I just started really implementing routines and I'm still doing it. I mean, most recently, I started reading about the benefits of using a castor oil pack on your gut and liver. So I just started that. So I mean, think about how I started this journey three years ago. And, you know, now I'm still implementing things. And so, you know, it takes time to switch an entire lifestyle of habits to a new lifestyle of habits. And so you have to give yourself grace. You're going to have days where you fall off the wagon. And then you just get back on the next day. I think that's really important. That's great advice. So tell me a little bit about how you're doing now. You seem to be so much healthier. You seem to be in a good spot. And you just had your miracle baby. So how did you get here? And what are you doing to maintain? Are you in remission? Are you maintaining your health? What's What does today look like? So today looks really good. Uh, you know, I struggled a little bit coming home with my son because, like I said, it was a high-risk pregnancy. But, you know, I'd, I'd say the past two years have been amazing absolutely amazing and more than I ever could have dreamed of from becoming an advocate for Crohn's disease, winning Mrs. New Jersey International and going to Mrs. International, making the top 16, being able to advocate and be a voice for the IBD community. You know, that's never something I would have pictured myself doing. I was never a good public speaker. I was always kind of shy. I really have become, I think, very confident in who I am as a woman, as a mom, as a person. And I feel like I just continue to grow and I, I know that I'm on a road to greatness and I don't think I ever really knew who I was before this experience. I think I was so busy trying to be somebody else that other people wanted me to be. And I know I always have to take care of my health. I am always looking for ways to improve. I did come off my medicine. I was on a very simple conservative medicine. I was never doing infusions. Uh, when I first came home from the hospital for about the first year and a half, I was on medicine that I was taking, you know, pills. Eight, uh, it was about four times a day. And I finally had that conversation with my gastro. You know, since I have been in surgical remission since my surgery, I said, you know, would it be okay for me to come off this medicine? Because, you know, I've come to that point where I love to mix holistic with Western medicine. If there's no need for me to be on medicine and I can maintain my symptoms, 
then that's what I would like to do. And she was comfortable with that. So obviously it was a discussion I did have with my doctor before it happened. And I've been okay. You know, uh, coming home from giving birth was a little nerve wracking because all the habits I implement, healthy eating, sleeping, you know, doing things outside, all of that kind of did get put on halt on top of a lot of stress, you know, so that was a little scary. And I just kind of, it was almost like coming home from the hospital again from my Crohn's diagnosis. I just had to remind myself that I've been through some scary times and I've made it through. I have a wonderful support system. I had to focus on the positives. And, you know, our son, even though it was a very rocky start and they were nervous about certain things, you know, he's healthy, he's thriving. And so I just have to continue focusing on the positive because when I focus on the negative, my gut is a mess. And I've noticed that, you know, your gut brain connection is really so important. And I really didn't understand that. And coming home from the hospital just recently, when I was crying and I was upset, I couldn't believe the mess my gut was in. And so I, I got nervous. I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to initiate a Crohn's flare. And, you know, I just had to kind of sit myself down and I was like, okay, we're going to get back on the smoothie. We're going to try to get as much sleep as we can. I'm going to rest. I started taking walks outside with my son again, getting that fresh air, some sunshine. And I started talking to my best friend and, you know, my friends and family. And I just started really making sure I was being honest with myself that, yes, I'm having a tough time, but I will get through this. And so, you know, I think if Crohn's disease has taught me anything, it's taught me very healthy habits and how to keep those healthy habits going, even in times of, you know, despair, which have been actual, you know, actually recent with the birth of our son. So you are no stranger to stress. You have juggled many things on your plate at one time, had very stressful experiences. How do you balance stress in your day-to-day -day life and keep that perspective and, and focus on your health? Well, one thing I'm learning is that it's never too it's never too late to start something new. So as a 37-year-old mom now of two, I did go to school to be a teacher and I do love teaching, but what I'm learning even more is how much I love being home with my son. And so I've actually started having this past summer conversations with my husband as to, you know, possibly starting my own business. And just even though I can handle teaching full-time and all of those things. And yes, I mean, it really just comes down to excellent time management. You know, a lot of the times my friends will laugh at me because I have my planner and I have, you know, certain things, but I have to be in bed at a certain time because it's for my health. I have to have my house clean because it helps lessen my anxiety. I don't like to be in chaos. And so there are things that work for me that I implement because it lessens the stress on me. I take the two hours to meal plan on the weekend because if I can prep all of my meals throughout the week, it is less stress on me. But one thing I am learning is just that I love being home and I love being with my children and I love prepping healthy food and I love going outside. And so as much as I do love working and teaching, I also know that I might be ready for a change. And so I feel like it's really important to address that. And again, I'm 37. It could be terrifying to try to start something new, but people do it every day. And there's no reason why I know I wouldn't be successful if I continue to have a positive mindset. And so I think that it's just, you know, giving yourself grace, but really sticking to the routines when you're stressed, you know, um, and talking. I think right now we're in a really important discussion of mental health in America. And I think one of our biggest struggles is that we all will say, hey, if you need anything, just let me know. But we're never going to say, I need something. I, and, and I am guilty of that. You know, coming home with my son, I didn't tell anybody I needed anything. But what I really appreciated were the people that just showed up. And I also now try to be that person. One of my girlfriends was sick with COVID and her entire family got sick. And I didn't say, hey, what do you need? Hey, let me know if you need anything. I showed up and I dropped chicken noodle soup off right outside her door. I text her. I said, go outside. There's chicken noodle soup for you and your family. It, it cost me under $20. It took no amount of time for me to do that. And those are the people I feel like you need in your life. And I feel like we need to discuss what we're going through with our friends and family, and we need to talk about it. You know, I can't tell you how many cute little pictures I posted on Instagram where I was smiling, but I was 
literally dying inside. And if there's anything I've learned, you need to try to be transparent, you know, because life isn't perfect. And we want our Instagram to look perfect. We want every part of our life to look perfect, but it just isn't. And so I think it's really important sometimes to also back off social media and take a minute because, you know, all I've been seeing is really perfect birth announcements. And, you know, we didn't have that experience with our son. It was very scary. And so you go through that moment where you just, you know, start doing the comparing game. And I just feel like mental health in America right now, you know, it, it you need to, you need to talk to somebody and you need to rely on the village you have around you. So for me, it was my mom, it was, you know, my best friend, my husband, and it's having honest conversations with my daughter when she saw mommy upset or crying. It was, well, you know, mommy and daddy are going through this right now. And this is what's happening with your baby brother. And, you know, just being honest. So that's been one thing that I think has also been very beneficial from my Crohn's diagnosis is really looking at how important mental health is and doing things for specifically my mental health, you know, like a gratitude journal, going outside just for 10 minutes and getting sunshine, you know, stepping away from my phone and not looking at everybody else's life on social media and also being transparent. You know, my followers have grown significantly between my Crohn's journey. And most recently, I think with getting pregnant with our son, we had a video go viral of my daughter's very sweet reaction. And that's the number one thing I try to tell them is I am here to be genuine and authentic, because I will show you the fun glam side of my life, you know, and yes, I'm organized. And I, you know, might look like I have it all together all the time. But that's not the truth. You know, I fall and stumble just like the rest of us. So I think that's an important message to convey. I love that advice. I love that message. And I love all of the positivity that you've been able to take from such traumatic experiences and to let that shape your life in such a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's 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 not easy to do. You know, even now I've questioned, well, you know, God, you gave me this beautiful baby. Why did it have to be such a scary pregnancy? Why, you know, so I had to stop doing that because there it was like that victim mindset. And, you know, it's OK to play the victim mindset because we all do it. And I, I like I said, I used to do it all the time. And, you know, you have to have it. It's almost like a grieving period. You have to say, OK, well, I'm having the bad day. Why is this happening to me? Why did my coffee spill? Why is, you know, my worker being nasty to me today? You know, my coworker. But you have to take a step back because I, when I get caught up in that cycle, everything around me becomes negative. And so as hard as it is, I just had to say, okay, I woke up today. I was able to walk down the steps today. It's a beautiful sunny day today and I could feel the sun on my face. And, you know, very quickly you can get sucked back into that negativity, but really just being positive and having that positive mindset will do wonders for you and your soul. And it sounds so silly, but it really was such a little simple habit that has changed my life, I think, forever. So I want to talk to you now about the advocacy work that you do. I read in one of your articles that you knew you wanted to focus on IBD as your platform in the beauty pageant that I think it's the most recent one you did a couple of years ago. So can you share your story about the IBD Heroes platform, how that was started and the work that you do with that? Absolutely. So when I came home from the hospital, I really was nervous to talk about Crohn's disease and I didn't kind of know where to start. And so I was like, well, what better way to start healing than to share my story? And if I can do anything to help other people, because I can't tell you the amount of messages I've received over the years of so many of my friends saying, Sarah, I have been experiencing so many gut issues and nobody is helping me. You know, and obviously I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a doctor, but people come to me because they feel like they're going through a similar experience. And so it's really been helpful because in the beauty pageant world, you're not going to hear many people talk about a disease like Crohn's disease. You know, uh, Crohn's disease is not a pleasant disease to discuss because it comes with some really yucky, unpleasant symptoms, you know, that people can also be embarrassed to discuss. And so that was kind of one of the reasons I wanted to I wanted to be a founder of IBD Heroes because I was like, you know what? These 
amazing people should be celebrated every day because they are true heroes. I mean, I know that my story, you know, has its trauma, but when I've had a look at some of these other IBD warriors, there's my story is absolutely nothing compared to what they've been through and are still going through. You know, I'm blessed to be in remission. That's one of my positive messages that I wake up every day, you know, and I don't know if it will always stay that way, but I am so blessed that I am in remission. You know, not everybody gets that experience. And so for me, I really wanted to showcase how brave these people are. And that same thing, you can look at their smiling faces on an Instagram post, but here's the invisible illness you don't see that they're dealing with every day. So it might be hard for them to get out of bed, even though they look like they could be perfectly healthy. And I just really wanted to get rid of the stigma that, you know, it's it's just not that big of a deal. You know, I think that a lot of people also that I spoke to did not know what Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis was. And I'm like, well, this is like 2020. What do you mean you don't know what this is? And that was just very alarming to me. And so it was kind of, I wanted to showcase all the people living with it and how amazing they are and brave they are. I also wanted to raise awareness for symptoms that you could experience. You know, I feel so often doctors are like, oh, it's IBS. Well, IBS means that you have a food intolerance. Like, and instead of, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, just go on this medicine, that is not helpful because you're not getting to the root problem. And that's that's where we are as a society right now. We just want to put a band-aid on everything right now. And we don't want to get to the root of the problem. And then we find out that most likely we are the problem. It's the foods we're eating, it's the habits we have. And you don't want to blame yourself. We've been we've been conditioned to live our lives this way. We all have, we live stressful lives. So we're exhausted. So we get up and we have those couple, you know, cups of coffee. We're conditioned to not work out. We're conditioned to, you know, sit at home and, and, and scroll social media and watch Netflix for hours. We're conditioned to, you know, be overtired to the point where we don't want to cook a meal. So we order that fast food. It's just conditioning that happens over the lives we've, we start living and it's nobody's fault. But what I, again, had to do was I'm done playing the victim. I am not going to lose weight and get strong unless I get up and go to the gym. And so I wanted to start sharing recipes that, you know, don't take that long to make that can be gut friendly, exercising that you can do that is helpful for your gut, you know, and for your mental health and body. And I just wanted to have a place where people could be celebrated and so that's kind of where the idea of IBD heroes came in. And then I just kind of had a voice in my head that said, you know, you need to compete in a pageant and you need to share this and make this your platform. And so that's kind of where I just wanted to start my advocacy. And I just kind of hit, I just hit everything really quickly really quickly. I founded IBD Heroes. It started growing immensely. I was sharing all these amazing stories. I started reaching out to the Crohn's Colitis Foundation, and I just felt like it was helping me heal in the process as well. Was that the first pageant that you'd done, or had you done others, and will you do any more? So I have actually been competing in pageants since I was 14 years old, and I think why I finally won, you know, it, it, it kind of worked against me in a way because when I finally won the title of Mrs. New Jersey International, you know, there was some feedback in pageant world that I won because I finally had that sob story. But I know that's not why I won. I won because I finally knew who I was as a person and I was passionate and knew my story. Before that, my platform in pageantry was bullying. And the reason it was bullying was because I did experience severe bullying in middle school. I also am a teacher and I always promote, you know, how to deal with bullies, how to not be a bully. And was I passionate about it? Yes. But it wasn't my whole story. You know, I had been bullied, but back in middle school. And so it wasn't an experience that was super close to, you know, my age at the time. And the Crohn's disease was really my story. You know, it wasn't hard for me to talk about it because I had just lived it. And I was so passionate because I've seen so many people suffering that I wanted to be a voice for it. And so it was really amazing how easy it was for me to finally go into an interview room. And instead of trying to tell judges what I thought they wanted to hear, I, I just, it was like I was sitting down and having coffee with every single one of them and explaining to them, this is what I just went through. And now I am so passionate about sharing this with other people. And 
it makes it so much easier when you're in a pageant, when you know who you are and what you stand for, and you're not competing with anybody else and you're not even competing with yourself. You know, you're just, you're just trying to share your journey and your story. And one of the biggest things I had to do when I won Mrs. New Jersey going into Mrs. International, I couldn't believe the caliber of women I was competing against. I mean, there were women that were just absolutely amazing. And I remember having that negative self-doubt and going, there's no way I can go to this pageant with 55 amazing women and even get in this top 16. There's just no way. They're amazing. Like, who am I compared to them? And I finally said, Sarah, you won Mrs. New Jersey International for a reason. You have a story to tell. And just like these women, you are on your own journey. You are you are a confident woman. Look how far you've come. And I just had to have like a little confident pep talk with myself. And I went and I made the top 16. And so I really just have learned that that positive self-talk can get you so far in life to, to places you never even thought you could imagine seeing yourself, you know, just by having that confidence in yourself. And I'm not done. I definitely would love to compete in another pageant. I was scheduled to compete in a pageant last year. Then we found out that we, you know, got pregnant. So I am taking a break. Um, but I don't think that I will give up. I definitely have a lot more ambition to get back on a stage one day. I'm not sure when that day will be, but I definitely am not done, you know. And one thing I think people don't understand in pageantry and one thing we always say is the queen never stops working when the crown comes off, you know? So even though my crown came off, I still do work for, you know, the Crohn's Colitis Foundation. I'm still doing advocacy work. It has slowed down a little bit because priorities, you know, I have my son and my priorities need to be with my son and my family right now, but the work never stops just because a crown is not on your head. And so that's always really important to remember as well. I'm not doing this advocacy work for the crown. I'm doing it. And then I just share that in my pageant journey. And as you kind of alluded to, you've done quite a bit aside from just starting IBD Heroes and choosing IBD as a platform in pageants. You participated in a health and wellness panel on how to fundraise. You were chosen as a 2022 honored hero for the New Jersey chapter of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. And you even met with local government to help pass the Safe Step Act. So can you talk about some of those other advocacy things that you've been doing over the past few years? Absolutely. So one of the downsides is when I did win Mrs. New Jersey International, I really had intentions of going into hospitals and visiting IBD patients. But due to, you know, coronavirus and restrictions, that really wasn't a possibility. And so I just really was thinking outside of the box. You know, one of the very first events I ever did when I was actually Mrs. Burlington County International, I had not even won Mrs. New Jersey yet was I had one of my really great girlfriends, you know, I always look at the resources I have around me. And one of my girlfriends, Bray, she is an amazing instructor. Uh, you know, she's done anything from jump fitness on trampolines to yoga to boxing classes. She's amazing. And so I reached out to her and to together we collaborated. We had a cardio for Crohn's fundraiser where we raised $500 and it went directly to the Crohn's Colitis Foundation. Uh, you know, I think just sharing my story a lot, that that's considered advocacy work because you're reaching so many people. And I think what's really beautiful from all of this is not only sharing that I'm a Crohn's patient, but I'm a Crohn's patient who competes in beauty pageants. You know, with the large scar in my stomach, I actually did compete in another pageant called Mrs. New Jersey Earth, where I did wear a bikini and I showed my scar loud and proud. And I think that's really important because you know, whether you're dealing with an ileostomy, you know, or wearing an ostomy bag, having a scar from surgery, you know, um, bloating, whatever it is, you know, your body positivity can be really a, a really big struggle. And, you know, in the pageant world, women are gorgeous. And they a lot of them have these wonderful, beautiful, you know, perfect bodies. And you do play that comparison game. And so I think it's really important for us to get out there and show, you know, hey, I have a scar, but I'm still beautiful. And if I didn't have the scar, I wouldn't be competing on the stage today. So I think that's a very important message to share. And, you know, it's also meeting with local government. I've really become an advocate for the foods that we're eating. And, and I, I always, you know, say I absolutely see myself at the White House one day, you know, just having having these conversations because they're important. Because when it comes down to it, you know, 
it could be a life or death situation, especially for the safe step therapy. And that's what I spoke about with local government last year during, during IBD advocacy week in September. You know, and I said to him, I said, this, this could be life threatening for so many people. And I think it's an absolute disgrace that, you know, we have to fail certain medications in order to try other ones, because that in my case, that could have killed me. You know, I, we were trying multiple medications or medications that can make your body worse and actually contribute to your Crohn's flare. Even right now, just the lack of FDA regulations on our food. I mean, people need to start speaking up because it's just, it's not okay. And, you know, unfortunately, our medicine system has become dollar signs and you are just a dollar sign many times when you walk into a doctor's office and you know that's a little scary to think about but it's also being realistic and so i think it's so important to have voices like mine where you know you have to be able to speak up and it's scary to be an advocate especially in 2023 it's very scary to sometimes speak your mind on certain things because you know there's always going to be a troll out there that's going to disagree with you and you know, somebody always will have an opinion of you. They always have something to set to say. But if you really believe in whatever it is you're advocating for, I just don't think that will that will ever be enough to stop you. And you just have to remember why you're doing what you're doing. And I just think it's extremely important, you know, because the, these are conversations we need to start having. I think one of the things I found really interesting was how damaging to the gut birth control can be. And when I was 15 years old, dealing with a really, really awful period, I remember the first thing my doctor wanted, wanted to do was put me on birth control. So I went on it. I was never told the side effects it might have on me. And I look at every one of my friends, you know, so many girls I know dealing with infertility, so many women dealing with miscarriages and all these scary things, you know, what antibiotics do to our gut? Nobody ever says, well, if you're on an antibiotic, here's some of the things you should do because it's going to wipe your gut out. It doesn't mean we don't need these things to help us, but it doesn't mean we need to have conversations if that medication might be the most beneficial for us and what side effects we might deal with long term if we decide to go on this medication. That was never discussed with me at 15 years old. And so it's important to have those conversations now. You know, I'm following a lot of holistic doctors now on Instagram and holistic nurses. And it's very shocking articles that I've come across that just are very, very alarming in, you know, what's happening in our world today with Western medicine and big pharma. It's very alarming. Such important advocacy work that you're doing. What do you think has been the most rewarding thing for you about sharing your story and being in the advocacy space? Absolutely, hands down, the most rewarding is when I get a message from somebody. And even if it's only one person that I have helped inspire with my story, then to me, I've done my job. You know, I I get sick of hearing my own story. If you want me to be quite honest, I don't like talking about myself. You know, um, what I do like doing is sharing my story and hearing someone say, oh my goodness, thank you so much for sharing your journey because I've been going through those and how did you overcome it? You know, some people will message me and say, I'm just there, I just got out of the hospital and I can't wait to be in a spot like you are. You know, I had a woman message me who has Crohn's disease and she actually inspired her hearing my story to go compete in a pageant. She competed in a local pageant and she won. So those are the stories that I think just make my heart feel so good because I don't feel like I'm anybody. You know, I feel like I'm just your average mom. I, I don't feel extra special. I, I just feel I went through this and I want to share my story in case you might be going through the same thing. Because if there's anything I think we've learned, we love to relate to other people. And when you can find just one person who will listen, it can make all of a world of a difference. And you know, dealing with Crohn's disease, any chronic illness, any illness at all can be extremely isolating, especially for myself at 34 years old. You know, nobody around me was sick. Nobody around me was sick. And so I had no one to talk to. Nobody ever understands what you're going through unless they are truly going through it as well. And so I think that's really important is just creating a community where you feel you're in a safe space to talk about your symptoms. Nobody is going to gaslight you in our community and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, just change your diet or make those, you know, negative comments that so often we get in the Crohn's and colitis community. You know, it must be something you're eating. It must be something you're doing. You know, just stop doing this. 
you know, one of mine was, oh, you need to gain weight. And it just infuriated me because I'm like, don't you think if I could eat, I would, you know? So I feel like we just need to have that safe space. And that's my hope through my advocacy is that I can create that safe space for others. That is wonderful. And I couldn't agree anymore with that 100%. It's been so important, even in my own journey, to just be able to relate, even if it's just one tiny part of a person's story that you can relate to. And it's like, I experienced that in my own IBD journey. And it makes such a difference. Thank you for sharing your story again. <laughs> so, like, even when you reached out to me, I got a huge smile on my face because you are. You're just thankful that there are people that still want to hear your story and are interested in it. And, you know, I'm always humbled and thankful because, again, you know, I know that I'm doing good work, but I just know there's so many amazing IBD advocates out there. And so I'm always very thankful. Even when I was chosen as the Crohn's colitis, you know, 2022 honored hero, I was like, oh my goodness, out of everyone, me, you know? So, you don't realize the impact. I think, I think we don't give ourselves enough credit, you know, as humans, I think many times, you know, we look in the mirror and we might say, Oh, I look awful today. And then it's amazing when you're out and someone goes, Oh, wow, I, you look really pretty today, or you look really nice. And, you know, I think we need to give ourselves more credit where credit is due and be our own cheerleader a little bit more. You know, I think that is something I've also learned through this journey. And I, I love being an advocate and that work will absolutely never stop. So as we get ready to wrap up, what is the final message or piece of advice you'd like to share with the listeners, either other IBD patients or maybe family members who have someone with IBD? My advice now is just to always speak up and advocate. If there is anything I have learned through my journey with my son now and also with myself, do not stop until you get answers and question everything. You know, I think sometimes people get a little shocked, but we're living in a time where we need to question and I'm questioning the food that I put in my body and I'm making sure I'm researching. I'm questioning doctors when I might, and I might not agree with doctors all the time and that's okay. You know, we have to remember doctors are also humans. I think sometimes we put doctors on a pedestal and we have to remember that they're also just humans and these places get paid a lot of money sometimes to push certain things. So for me, I need to advocate and I need to do what's best for me and my body and I will take doctor's, you know, advice into consideration, but I'm also going to look at the holistic side of it. You know, perfect example is I had a holistic doctor tell me, stay away from gluten, don't touch it. My Western medicine doctor said, gluten's fine, you can eat it all the time. And so we just have to find the balance that works best for us. But that does come with questioning and not being scared to speak up when you don't feel comfortable with something. And that goes for your children as well. So I think that's always my final message. Speak up, advocate for yourself and make sure you're getting answers that work for you and your body. That is great advice. So if people want to follow you and as you continue with your IBD journey and other endeavors in the future, where can they find you and follow you online? So I am on Instagram and I have my personal, which is sarah.may.campbell, or you can follow us at IBD Heroes, which is at IBD Heroes on Instagram. And I'm always looking for features. So if you are an IBD warrior and would love to share your story, I would also love to feature you on IBD Heroes. And I look forward to hearing from, from you. Fantastic. I will put both of those in the show notes so that people can find them easily. So is there any final thing that I didn't ask that you wanted to share with the audience? No, I just I appreciate you. And thank you so much for having me today. And, you know, it's always so amazing to connect with a fellow IBD warrior because I feel like we just get it. <laughs> so I appreciate you. And I hope that you're doing well in your IBD journey also. Thank you so much. I am. And I really appreciate you being here for all of the work you're doing as an advocate and for sharing your story. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you love these interviews and want to support the podcast, visit my website at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com where you can browse my featured products page to shop the companies I love and support. Make a donation using the Buy Me a Coffee link to send a little love or grab a copy of my book and IBD story, Crohn's Fitness Food and My Rocky Road to Health. If you have an IBD story that you want to share, send me an email at story at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com And always remember... Be strong, be grateful, and keep going.